Okay, so what I want to talk about is ideology. And before I do, I just want to premise it with something. Which is a bit ironic because the reason that I want to talk about ideologies is because I have an ideology. I'm not inter- I'm not entirely sure what it is. It's like your religious beliefs, even if you're in, you know you're not religious per se, or your political beliefs, even though you mightn't be political per se, or your thoughts on raising children, even though you don't have children yet, or you've never had children. We have opinions on everything. But we don't necessarily know what they are until somebody explicitly asks us. So if you haven't thought about something in detail intentionally before, you're not going to have a ready answer to whatever the question is. So with me personally, I've thought long and hard about drug legalization. So if somebody was to turn around to me and go, Frano, do you think drugs should be legalized? I'd say yes. I wouldn't have to think about it. Because I've already thought about it. And that's what thought is, I think. To a degree, at least. It's spring cleaning your mind, to a degree. That's what thinking does. It organises your mind. I've spoken about this on and off. And it, it just... Anything that kind of keeps popping up in my consciousness, or in, in our consciousness, or in your consciousness, or in a person's consciousness, anything that keeps coming up is important. And before I can tell you what my own ideology is, I need to think about it a lot more. Now, I'm not going to get it across in this episode. It requires far more thinking. But I have thought about something that's relevant. So I've spoken before about data and putting your data in formation. That makes it information. But I have another step, which is narrative. So the analogy that I'm going to use is my weight. So I have a list of data points written down in front of me here. And I'm going to rhyme them off. So in October, I weighed 90 kilos. In February, I weighed 91 kilos. In July, I weighed 89 kilos. In June, I weighed 89 kilos. And I've all my weights for the different months of the year written down in front of me. And that's data. Because it's just different information points it doesn't tell you anything really it's just data but if i put it in formation so if i start with january's and then february's march april may all the way through to december and i put it i plot it on a graph so on the vertical axis you have zero kg at the bottom all the way up to 100 kg at the top We'll do it in increments of 5. So 5, 10, 15, 20, all the way up to 100. That's on the vertical axis. On the horizontal axis then it's January to December. And when you plot the curve with the data points that you started out with, that's you putting that data in formation. And what that gives you is information. So now I have a graph in front of me. And what I can take from that information is that I lose weight during the summer and I put it on in the winter. But the data didn't give me that. The information gave me that. 
but the information was written down on a page. I had to look at it, observe it, notice what was going on, see the dip, and then extract the narrative. So I think you start off with data, you put it information, which makes it information, and then you have to extract out of the information a narrative. And a narrative is what both your mind and your soul can get its head around. So I could, t I could give you the data. I could go October 90 kilos, January 91 kilos, July 89 kilos. I could give you all the data, but it wouldn't mean anything to you. And I could show you the graph, and it mightn't mean anything to you. Because maybe you're not good with graphs. But if I tell you explicitly, I lose weight in the summer and put it on in the winter, you get that. Because you've, you've, you've put the data, you've transformed the data into information and you've extracted a narrative out of that information. And that's what I have to do with, that's what I have to do in order to find out what my ideology is. Because what my ideology is, is in my head. It's between my ears. I don't know what it is because I don't have access to it. It's almost as though my ideology is behind a door in my head marked private and I don't work there. I don't have access to it. And it's not until I organise my thoughts and I put them in formation. So I have all the data that I need. I don't need to read any more books. I don't need to Google anything. I don't need to ask anybody anything. I'm 37 years of age. I've been thinking relatively deeply about all this stuff for a very long time i don't need new information what i need to do is put my data information and then when i have that information i need to i think you need to write it down so your thoughts are data when you write them down and order them they become information and it's only when you're able to read them start middle and end having written them down and organized them can you extract the narrative and the narrative that you get out of your data which you've turned into information that's essentially your ideology and I don't know what my ideology is but I think it's important for me to nail it down and as always I have, an, I have another analogy I want to throw in here we have a small little box room in our house and we call it the toy room because it's where all the kids toys go and just to pick a, a random number there's 200 toys in that toy room But effectively, there's only 20. And the reason that there's effectively only 20 is because the place is a fucking mess. And you can only access what's just inside the door. So that's the 20 things that you can reach when you open the door. Everything else that's in there may as, may as well not exist as far as the kids are concerned. Because they don't have access to it. They can't get to it. They can't, they can't see it. Now, I could get something that's completely hidden from view let's say it's a purple elephant and I could I could pull it out of the buried position it's in in the toy room and I could say to Fionn Fionn do you know what this is and he'd go yeah that's my purple elephant but if I had asked him to list out all the things that were in his toy room he would have readily given me the 20 things that he has access to and he may or may not have remembered the purple elephant so he didn't forget about it because when I showed it to him, he instantly knew what it was and recognized it and remembered it and remembered that he liked it or loved it. 
But at the same time, I could have chucked it in the wheelie bin, never said anything, and he never would have went looking for it. So there are things that are in our minds that we don't have access to. And the way to get access to them is to put your data in information. Because, sorry, put your data in information, which in turn creates information. That information can then be read and you extract a narrative from that information. And it's a hell of a lot easier to commit narrative to memory than it is data to memory. Like I could give you the 12 data points. Sorry, the 24 data points because there's the 12 months, which is 12 data points, and there's the 12 weights. They're also data points. So I can give you 24 data points all about my weight, but it won't mean anything to you. Until it's put information, then you can actually visualise it. And from that visualisation, you can extract. I lose weight during the summer and I put on weight during winter. And what I'm talking about obviously doesn't just pertain to your weight across the year. It could be literally anything. Absolutely anything. But what's done in that instance is I start off with data points. Put them information, create information and extract narrative. But now what I'm trying to do is to reverse engineer it. Because I have bits and pieces of narrative. So one of the bits of narrative that I have is I'm opposed to banning things. Now I have to reverse engineer that. I have to rewind the clock and ask myself, where does that narrative come from? What's the information that led to me being able to extract the narrative of I'm opposed to banning things. And what happened in Portugal 20 fucking years ago, I suppose at this point, more maybe, a lot of my information comes from Portugal because Portugal decriminalised all drugs about 20 plus years ago and they've had endless success since. One of my influencers, um, a guy called Gabor Mate, he speaks about addiction a lot. So a lot of my information that led to me coming up with the narrative of I'm opposed to banning things comes from him. So there's Portugal, there's Gabor Mate, there's my own lived experience, I suppose. I've seen my own relationship with drugs develop over the years, for good and bad. And I think this is what I have to do in order to find out what my what my ideology is. I have to think about what are the relevant data points. What narrative do I already have? What information do I have? And when I have the three of them in front of me, I can try and concretize my worldview. Which is essentially nailing down my ideology because I want to know what my ideology is I have one I live it and I breathe it and I expose it on the podcast endlessly it's what I do this off the lead thing is the speaker of my ideology every single thing that I've ever said in the podcast is steeped in my own ideology so it would make fucking sense for me to figure out what it is especially if I'm going to be proselytizing it in the way I do. And what has me thinking about all this is fucking vaccines. 
So I have an aversion to just go and get this vaccine. And language is important here as well because I even the way I said that there, I have an aversion to going and getting this vaccine. But you see, therein lies the problem. It's not the vaccine. There's three or four of them they're handing out. And they're not all the fucking same. The mRNA ones are new. They haven't been around very long. And by new and not being around very long, they've been invented to combat COVID, so they couldn't be any more than a year old. Now, I'm not saying that mRNA vaccines are dangerous or aren't safe. That That's not my point at all. My point is they're only around a wet week. And if there's another type of vaccine that's been around for decades, I'll have the one that's been around for decades, thanks. Now, in 20 years' time, let's say we let's say this whole COVID-19, COVID-19 thing is behind us come 2023. Come 2040. Let's say there's a new there's a new virus. And at that point, your choice is an mRNA vaccine, which by 2040 will have been around 20 years, or a new vaccine. Come that time, I'm going to say, I want the mRNA vaccine. I don't want this fucking new vaccine. The point being, I've no problem with mRNA vaccines. I have a problem with any medical intervention that's new. There are people out there who put themselves forward for experimental medical trials. I'm not fucking one of them, though. And increasingly, there seems to be a knee-jerk reaction to anybody who says anything remotely negative in relation to vaccines. You just get brandished an anti-vaxxer. Oh, what are you, a flat earther, are you? No, no, I just, I just have my concerns, thanks. I'm not anti-vaxxing the least. Vaccines are a fucking marvel of science. They're an exemplar of the scientific method and they've saved hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people's lives. And short of saving people's lives, it's drastically increased the well-being of the human species. Because for every one person that didn't die, that person had a family and an extended family who isn't grieving that person because of the vaccine. So I'm fucking pro-vaccine, don't get me wrong. But I'm also anti-coercion. And I think there's a I think I think it's fair to say that there's been a, a fair bit of coercion in relation to the vaccine. Or in, re- in relation to, to getting vaccinated, should I say. And a lot of my fears boil down to a distrust of our government. And a distrust of the pharmaceutical industry and a distrust of mainstream media as well as the distrust for uh, fucking big tech companies I flat out don't trust these organisations I don't think that they have the best interest of anyone other than themselves at the fore of their minds and I think this has been proven over and over and over again and I've many such Opinions, many such narratives. But what I need to do is, as I said earlier, is reverse engineer them to see what information 
what's the information that I'm extracting this narrative from? And what's the data that makes up that information? Because it's not until I've all that plotted out in front of me that I can be convinced that I've got a good ideology. I've certainly got an ideology. But I have my own concerns that my ideology mightn't be... I don't think it's a bad one. But I'm sure it's not a fucking perfect one either. And I think what I'm talking about should be undertaken by anybody who can. Like what I said in yesterday's episode, those who can should. And it's worth remembering that the work that I put in, and when I say the worth remembering, it's worth me remembering. It's worth reminding myself, should I say. That the work that I put in now can't really help me in the moment. It can't really help me in 2021, really. It'll help me a little bit. But it's not gonna it's not gonna solve all my problems immediately. But it'll go a hell of a long way to solving my problems in five, ten years' time. Because there's an issue with timelines that humans have. It's fucking mad. I'm often taught I often think about this when I look at something like like the pyramids or a big cathedral. Or something that literally took hundreds of years to build. Imagine imagine Ireland the imagine the Irish government or you know, a, an Irish business person or anyone on the planet decided that they were going to undertake something that was going to take two or three hundred years. To be fucking laughed at. Like it's 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 practically unthinkable for a modern human to think in those terms. But it obviously wasn't always unthinkable because if it was always unthinkable we never would have done it. But if we never would have done it we wouldn't have the cathedrals that we have and we certainly wouldn't have the pyramids that we have. But we're so I don't know what it is, we're we're so fixated on you know days and weeks and our own our own lifetime we don't seem to spare a thought for our fucking kids lifetime never mind our kids kids lifetime and this is borne out with the environmental disaster that we're all in the middle of we're just hell-bent on plowing on as we are and you know you know whatever about 200 years i mean 200 years 2221 like who gives a fuck but you can be guaranteed there's going to be human beings on this planet in 200 years. And whatever type of a planet that they're going to inherit, it will be in direct consequence of what we do with it now. We seem to be caught up in the cycle of perpetually asking ourselves, what should we do now with these current circumstances? And never, what should we do now so that in five years' time, all these things that we're worrying about now won't be as much of an issue. Like homelessness, we need to hom- we need to sort homelessness now. That's what everyone keeps saying. We need to do it now. It's gone on long enough. You have to do it now. You have to sort out our health service now. But what about having it sorted in five years' time? And I don't mean starting to do it in five years' time. I don't mean kicking the fucking can down the road. I mean, what can we implement today that will affect us in five, ten, fifteen, twenty years' time? And I think a big part of that, if not an integral part of that, or the only part of it, is getting people to wake the fuck up. It's getting people to examine the contents of their own mind. And to try and figure out not only what they think, but why they think what they think. Where is this coming from? These, these thoughts and these beliefs and these ideologies that you have, do you have them through your own efforts? Or have you inherited them from your racist auntie? Or your capitalist uncle. Or your sexist brother or sister or friend or whatever. Like how accountable 
do you feel for the thoughts that are in your head? Probably not that accountable because you've never really organised your thoughts. You don't really know what's in there. No more than I do. I mean, it's all, it's all well and good me waxing lyrical here talking about what I'm going to do. I haven't fucking done this yet, so I'm in the same boat as everybody else. But I do genuinely feel that I've at least started my journey or have attempted to make a start on my journey. And being aware of these things is the first step to addressing them. And whatever help you can be, I'm all fucking ears. You'll get me on 089 40 And on that note, I'll chat you soon.